You were to dig one hole each day. Five foot deep, five foot in diameter. Your shovel is your measuring stick. The longer it takes you to dig, the longer you'd be out in the hot sun. Sorry, Mr. Sir. Hey, Michael. Yes, Andrea? I need some advice. What What you need, Andrea? Well, you see, two men have come to offer me their hand in marriage, and they've both given me a pig of equal size, and I can't decide between the two. Well, the, the, the most righteous thing you could do right now, Andrea, is to, you know... Pick a number between 1 and 10, and whoever's closest will be the one that marries you, takes your hand, and and is your, your sweet husband for the rest of your life. Okay, I love how you started off with a normal accent, and then you just had to put in a southern fucking accent, like, what you midway talking about? through this the is my, bit. This, this is my normal accent. <laughs> this is... This is how I've always spoken, Andrea. I'm I'm quitting right now. They'll never hear the whole episode. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, we're talking about holes this week, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what that's what we're doing. Hey, digging up them holes, digging. Oh my god, shut up. It's it's so in my head. Oh, <laughs> uh, I used to listen to that soundtrack all the fucking time when I was a kid. It's oh, honestly not a terrible they have some Good songs in there? Yeah. Which, I was like looking up the soundtrack, and I could swear there was a song in the movie that was done by Beck, but it wasn't on the soundtrack, because I checked the soundtrack afterwards, and I did not see that. Oh, it sounds like you Oh, God damn it. No. 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 Oh, God. I actually hung up on Andrea. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Michael just hung up on me in the middle of recording. Oh, I, was, oh, I didn't mean for that to happen. This We're level this all of unprofessionalism is so bad. Uh, I can't help it. The, in, the, in, the, in the Texan desert, there's just not a lot of reception, Andre. Oh, my God. Shut the fuck up. Okay, listen. Holes, uh, Holes is great. I'm going to say it right now. Holes was fun. It was a good time. Honestly, the book and movie are so goddamn similar because the author was the screen screenplay person. They did the screenplay. Yes. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis Sacker. I always called him Sakar growing up, but I guess it's Sacker because that's what I, I heard. But Sacker, yeah, I, I hardly part. know her. I'm sorry. Oh hey. My God. <laughs> um, for anyone that doesn't know, he wrote this. It came out in 1998 was when it was published. And then uh, the... 2003 Disney film featuring Shia LaBeouf. I think this is his like first actual movie for Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, like he'd been in even Stevens, but yeah, I guess this was before the movie the... said introducing Shia LaBeouf. Ah, gotcha. And I guess yeah, I guess this was before like the even Stevens movie. So another classic. Interesting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. But there's there's like you know there's some other great actors in here. There's Sigourney Weaver, John Voight, Eartha um, Kitt as Madame yeah. Zaroni. Yeah, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, also known as uh, Buster Scruggs. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and if you guys don't know, Eartha Kitt also did the voice for Uzma in Emperor's New Groove. That is some cool factoids. Mm-hmm. Y'all are welcome. That's why you come here. We can read IMDb so well. 
<laughs> we just know, we know we know Hollywood on on a on a name to name basis. Uh, yeah, we're just we're just we we're just in the know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, Holes was a huge part of my childhood. Like I think it was like in second or third. I think it was second grade. I'm pretty sure it was second grade where my teacher like read it to us as a class, and then like. I kind of like got obsessed with holes for a little bit and would like reread it quite quite often because it's a pretty quick read. Like it's it doesn't take long. It's like what maybe you can you can e- easily read it in a day. So yeah. Did you grow up on holes, Andrea? This is my first time reading it, but oh. yeah, I loved this movie a lot, and I think it it stands up well even as an adult and years later. I will say some of the editing was um not. My favorite, you know, they had all these like sort of slow motion moments, zooming in on people's faces <laughs> and like weird fade outs uh, and uh, I don't know. And like one specific instance where the CG wasn't great is when Kissing Kate Barlow gets bitten by the lizard. Because obviously, despite what I thought as a younger child, the yellow spotted lizards are not a real thing. But the CG there was really bad with, around the lizard. Oh, the lizards were always, like, every scene that the, they decided, which is, uh, I guess we're getting already into this without summarizing it, but um, the lizards, yeah, they, they just don't look good. Like, I, I don't understand why they didn't just stick with the real lizard placements that they have, because that looked fine. It's just, like, they wanted CGI of them hissing and, like, opening their mouth really large, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was... Uh, was, what, what was it? The, the, the part where uh, when um, Stanley, played by uh, Shia LaBeouf, when he like first gets to the to the camp and like the one chases him on two legs. Yeah. Like, really, uh, did not look good. Did not look good. Um, but and John Voight so knocked it out of the park. Where like I I love the scenes of him just like paranoid with his gun out, like sneaking around looking for more lizards. <laughs> Yeah, I think it that was great. Um, like he he played he played uh Mr. Sir really well, and um, Nelson did it, like honestly like Sigourney Weaver did great as the the warden, and Nelson did what is it what is his name Blake Nelson, mm-hmm. um, just blank. Um, he he was great as uh, Mom or mm-hmm. Doctor Pedansky. 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 <laughs> Not a so, real doctor, kids. Nope. Which is one of like, there's so many weird like little small differences throughout this film, and but I guess we could like I, I summarize it a little bit for anyone that doesn't know what the story is. Basically, we're following Stanley Yelznats, um, who is the fourth Stanley Yelznats in his family. Why do you um, keep saying basi- Yelznats? Isn't it Yelznats? It's Yelnats. Yelnats. Yeah. It's not Stansley. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. You're right. No, you're good. It's Yelnats because it's it's Yelnats is Stanley backwards. So for for four generations now, they've been naming all all the sons Stanley. But his great great grandfather, a long time ago, got cursed by a gypsy woman named Madame Zeroni. Mm-hmm. And uh, the family always blames all their problems on on that. And one day. Uh, Stanley is just out, you know, doing Stanley things, walking around the city, and some shoes fall onto t- his lap. And it turns out those were stolen shoes from a very famous baseball player that were being donated to charity. And so basically, he was the, the, the court decided either he had to go to jail or go to camp. And so he chose camp. 
And it turns out the camp is in the middle of the fucking Texas de desert on a dried up lake. And they, every day these boys have to dig a hole that's as deep as their shovel and is as wide as their shovel every day until it gets done. And basically there's, in the story, there's, I'm trying not to, I'm going to skip some of these details because I'm going on a little long. Basically there's like hidden treasure. There's a really cool like history backstory of the lake and some of the people that were, that are, that lived um, like 200 years prior and yeah, sort of. It's a story of Stanley sort of growing up and, you know, learning that you can't always trust adults and sort of uh, that not everyone's a good person and that sometimes life just twists your hands and bad things happen to you, but good, th good things can come out of it in the end. Yeah. And I mean, you, you could have said more. I'm not, I'm not the summary police. That's you. You could have, you could have said... Well, <laughs> how I how I see how I see it is we, we end up talking about the details as we go, and I'm just sort of like make the summary as small as possible without spoiling too much. But y y yeah, um, so you've you've already sort of mentioned a few things about the film and the book, and one of those you, we, I, I, I do I want to talk about like the the style of the film, I guess, and ha and does it really match up to the book? Because I've I've never like. I always, I'm not gonna lie, like when I was younger, I always was like a little disappointed in the movie because I felt like it wasn't, it didn't take itself as seriously as the book did um, at times. And, and part of that is with how things are edited and especially like those slow-mo sequences, which really gives Zack Snyder the run for his money. <laughs> and I guess that's like the early 2000s, everyone was doing these slow-mo shots and mm -hmm. without like, without, without a high frame rate camera. So it just comes off really, uh, um, awkward jaggedy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I, I enjoy the film for what it is, but I, I always feel like, and maybe it's because, and when you're reading a book, it can come, things can come across a little darker. And then when you're actually seeing like actors doing these things and can come off a bit lighter or is it really Disney forcing a hap a slightly happier style into things but I mean the book deals with like and the movie does too like it deals with like a lot of death a lot of racial issues and it also deals with just adults being shitty to kids and it's it's I don't know it's it's sort of the style of the film sort of throws me off a little bit um, when I watch it but what do you think Andrea? Honestly, I think the editing didn't make it lighter so much as I didn't like the editing. But I don't I think both had they dealt with the same things. Honestly, the movie went a little more with like Zero talking about his mom, which was sad and also sweet. And like you do hear in the book that he hires the private investigators to look after his mom. They gave us like I guess the reunion of them in the movie that you don't actually get to mm -hmm. see like the book just leaves things a bit more open-ended also the treasure they find so they unearth kissing kate barlow's treasure and in the book it's not worth as much which i like that the treasure you know it they got some jewels that weren't worth as much anymore and some deeds that were worth what twenty thousand they said but like uh 25 but yeah yeah but like in the movie I mean, in the book, the actual invention of 
the sploosh, which like I love that name. But that that really kind of helped out the family more because you know his dad finally invented something to get rid of um, stink from like foot odor. So that's another weird like that's a small change in the movie. They made it seem like that's what he was after all along when he really he was trying to find a way to recycle old shoes. And yes, in in the book, like yeah. I mean, yeah, in the movie, he was always looking for a foot odor remedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's sort of... That's where, like, I, I, the style of the film sort of throws me off, like, with Stanley's parents. Because, they're like, it's it's Henry Winkler, who, who... I love Henry Winkler, but, like, it's really... They're, his parents are just so silly and wacky, especially, like, his father and his, and his grandfather, especially, like, when the cops show up. Sort of the direction for those characters, because you really don't get a lot of the parents in the book because everything as soon as it starts takes place at with Stanley coming to the camp and then some small little flashbacks here and there yeah and so you, you learn about the family but you don't really I guess learn their personalities and stuff but like the way they're played are, is so silly so uh Disney Disney Channel movie style mm-hmm. which I, I I enjoyed like Disney Channel movies growing up but it's just it always felt off to me in this story but it's just like a small complaint that i have is how the his parents uh were played and they're not like a huge part of the film but they're they pop up here and there true i did i did like when he finally figures out the formula and they're all like saying i don't smell anything i don't smell anything and he's like i told you i was on the brink of no stink (laughs) it's so stupid (laughs) But can I also just say, I would feel, I feel bad for their neighbor. Can you imagine if your hallway and apartment smelled like smelly ass shoes every day? I'd be annoyed too. <laughs> That's not a good scent. Uh, no, no, not at all. Justice and for the Yelnats neighbors is all I'm saying. On, yeah, I mean, honestly, they should probably get a, get a little bit of the pot of that, that treasure for dealing with that shit for years. Yeah, damn it. Oh, although also, it took me, whenever the last time I watched this, a decade or more ago, I didn't realize it then. I didn't realize it throughout the whole book. It was at near the end of the movie that I realized Zero was just short for Zeroni. <laughs> I felt really fucking stupid. Uh, it's all right. Although they were just using it to say, oh, he's got nothing in his head, which, God, the adults were so shitty to Zero. Like, that's the weird thing. Like, even... Even mom, who's like, try. I mean, he's obviously still a shit, but he tries to be somewhat more decent to the kids. But then when it comes to Zero, he's like, you've got nothing in your head, don't you? Yeah, which I think is basically them trying to mentally abuse Zero to not ever leave. Because as, as we learn at the very end of the film with Zero, they don't have any papers for him. So he was sort of brought to this camp illegally. And I think they were just trying to use him because he was the quickest and fastest digger to just sort of like keep him for years and constantly be digging for them. Yes, but also I think part of the reason he had no file is because they went back and made sure to delete his file when he ran away. They said they were getting rid of his file so oh, no one could prove yeah. he was there. Yeah. True. Yeah, poor Zero. Like, he's a, he's a great character. Zero, he uh, basically was a homeless kid and uh, a... a what what is it? A child of the state? What what is what is the ward of the state? Ward of the state. Thank you. And he's just sort of he didn't know that like stealing was bad because like he just grew up knowing to take things and to um 
And so when he when he ultimately was the reason that Stanley got in trouble because he was the one that stole the shoes. But it's just like he's such a great, nice character, and you feel bad for him because like he just really doesn't know any better, but he wants to learn. And but the adults definitely treat him like shit for no reason because I don't know why not. Um, you got you got to pick on some kid, I guess. True. What well, was a really kind of annoying change. So in the book, well, and in the movie, Zero couldn't read and Stanley's helping him. And when he tells the backstory and admits, hey, I'm the one who actually stole those shoes that you got in trouble for. In the book, he's at this shelter and he sees the shoes and people had always donated things. And because he couldn't read, he couldn't see that those were Clyde Livingstone shoes. So he just kind of grabbed them and then realized it was actually a big deal. He grabbed them. But they don't touch upon that in the movie, which is okay, but also you kind of miss out. Like, that makes a lot of sense that he wouldn't know he shouldn't take those shoes because he couldn't read from the sign they were being auctioned. And skipping that kind of makes it seem a bit more nefarious of him taking the shoes. Well, if I remember correctly, in the film, he's talking about how at the homeless shelter, stuff's donated all the time, so he's just used to... Yeah. Just taking things. So it's not really, I wouldn't really call it nefarious. It's more of, he still has his ignorance of the situation, but I do agree. I think, I think the whole, what Lewis Sacker did with him being illiterate, being very crucial to a lot of the plot, especially Mm -hmm. towards the end. It's, it's, it's nice to have that tie throughout it with, especially in that scene as well. I don't know. I, 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 unfortunately I'm, I'm picky when it comes to films, which is a little annoying. And um, some of like the the flashback sequences kind of bothered me. Uh, I love, like especially in the book, like uh, Stanley's great great grandfather is 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 uh, you know he's he's what trying to marry get married to that girl, which I forget what her name is, but like basically the girl of this village and like the whole pig story and learning about the gypsy lady that you said earlier and I forgot her name already, but um, Madame Zeroni. Zeroni. Oh, yes. That, duh. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's sort of, I don't know. I, 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 it, it's hard for me to describe why I don't like that scene in the film. It's just, maybe it's the way that the girl plays the character. Or I don't even know if it's her because she's not that bad. I, I, there's just something off about that scene and I don't know why. And I don't know I, because I cannot able to describe it. I don't know. Well, I can tell you for me, and I'll see if this is what bugs you. A, Mm -hmm. this is just a detail thing, but in the book, he actually regularly hangs out with Madame Zeroni. And they're like, other kids are playing with whatever or messing out around, but he's like actually spending time with Madame Zeroni, who's pretty lonely herself, and they're friends. And so he's not just Mm -hmm. kind of going to her for like, oh, give me a spell, but they did have a lot of annoying fade outs, like especially going back to Madame Zeroni yeah. sitting there and smoking and waiting for him and like her kind of cackling. And I do love how she delivers for always and eternity. Like <laughs> That line is beautiful. But yeah, there's just a lot of fading out for no reason. Um, yeah, it's it, I, yeah, I guess it's like the, like that's probably my biggest issue with the entire film is the editing. Like it's yeah, there's weird choices. There's weird like choices for uh speaking of like the uh, i guess 
weird things, weird editing choices for flashbacks was like when Stanley is on the bus arriving at the camp, you, you see like a ghost of like Sam. Oh, I hated that. On the desert. And it's like, what's the, what's the point of this? Like, why would, why would uh, Stanley really know about Sam at all? Like, that's, that's like, it's a partial, like, it's crucial for like, the entire history story, but Stanley wouldn't know about that. Stanley only knows like his father's back, his great great grandfather's uh, backstory, and a little bit about kissing Cade Barlow because she crossed paths with her his great great grandfather. But he wouldn't know about Sam and things like that. So there's like weird choices to for the the fade and sort of uh, I guess like compositing of like characters from the flashback sequences in, in the desert at random times it's it's an odd choice I agree so speaking of there was this really uh cringe moment that happened so <laughs> if you guys don't know there's the backstory with Sam and kissing Kate Barlow she was a teacher she taught adults and students um I mean younger students and Sam came in there for classes and she liked him and he would sell people onions and she would sell spiced peaches. Oh, and God, when those guys are like, those peaches are the work of an angel. Anyway, um, that was dumb. I mean, no, I can see someone saying that. That's why it's like just cringy guy shit. But what was bad choice for the movie, so obviously this whole backstory, if you somehow don't know, Sam and Kissing Kate, well, she's just Kate at the time. They fall in love. They have a moment. They share a kiss. Someone sees they get mad because Sam is black. And so they decide they're going to hang him. And she, her schoolhouse gets burnt down. And the sheriff is like not helping her. Also puts a move on her and it's weird. And Sam gets killed that night. And kissing Kate Barlow becomes an outlaw, which is like honestly a pretty dope story. But oh, I mean, yeah. for her. Okay. There's That's, this oh, yeah. really bad moment. It was a scene with her and Sam, and the lyrics to the song say something like how I am more than what's on my skin or something, which I'm just like, why Ooh. would you use these yeah. lyrics right now? And if it's intentional, that's even worse. Like, that's just... Uh. Yeah, that's like another editing problem that I had throughout the film was the choice of just throwing music in at certain yes. points. And, and especially m- music with... Like, I would be fine with, you know cool instrumentals yeah instrumental like good like western like sounds Mm -hmm. and and things like that it would be it's really cool but like they do they throw in like these songs with lyrics like holes at the very beginning like digging up the holes at the beginning is great it really works um Mm -hmm. and then but like there's other times and i forgot about that one and i'm glad you mentioned it but um, there's other instances like there was a there was one where zero when zero and Stanley are climbing up the mountain. Oh my god, I was just thinking of that scene. It yes. was awkward. And like, yeah, and because because also too they're talking like they're talking mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, why can't it be like you know fucking like Frodo and Sam like you know climbing up Mordor and they're having like their conversations, but you have like a cool like nice instrumental soundtrack behind it to 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 elevate what they're saying instead of like having songs with words covering over what they're saying. So you're not fully getting what they're saying. Cause I guess y'all sort of didn't really either like what you wrote for that sequence or it was all improvised. I don't, I don't know, but it's an odd, 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 bad, bad editing choices. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a fan of that either. 
But plus, like, if you're going to throw in music with lyrics, if it's not something made for or that just fits really well, it's going to be awkward because then people are also listening to the lyrics and if they don't match what's going on, or in the case of the scene I was talking about where they are way too on the nose of what it was saying and it was also a really cringy way to deliver that message, you're just going to make it a bad scene. You know, if people are coming here for directing advice, like, shit, we got you, but... <laughs> Uh, it's okay or you can just hire us to to remake holes um i'm cool with that we'll both co-direct it fuck yeah but but uh also speaking on the 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 kate and sam um went sort of like because sam in the book sam gets killed with kate and sam are both in his boat like Mm -hmm. he's a he he's a onion picker but he has to like get in his boat to go to basically an island or an inlet or something where all these onions are and and, and to, to bring them back to town. But so Kate and Sam are sort of running away and he, he gets shot. He gets killed with her in the boat with him. But in the movie, for some reason, she's not with him and she watches from a distance across the lake. And it's... Like, I, I like, I don't know, her being there is way more powerful and also really plays into this sort of, um, she wants to become an outlaw because the law is corrupt and w- literally having Sam, the man she loves, like, die, like, in her lap. It's yeah. just it's fucking powerful instead of, like, uh, you know, you just sort of watch him as a silhouette across, across the lake. Um, well, I think shot, with Disney, like... Obviously, you know, having someone you love die the way it's going to suck. I think with Disney, they probably just didn't want to show anything too gory. Which, this is still yeah. more than what Disney would do nowadays. Like, still having this whole, like, racist backstory, like, Texans against interracial marriage. It's heavy shit that I don't think Disney would touch anymore, which is honestly a shame. Like, Disney used to be a bit more... Like, I was thinking about this rewatching Atlantis a while ago, where you would have... I forget her name, but, like, the awesome smoking lady on the ship who would just, yeah, she was heavily chain-smoking and making some, like, pretty, you know, like, fun but a bit more adult jokes. Or, like, you had the guy in charge of bringing the food where he was saying, like, whiskey's one of the food groups. And I'm like, Disney wouldn't allow this shit anymore. Yeah, because it's all like, oh, you're creating an impression on the kids, which... I don't know. That stuff didn't really, like, affect me growing up, but... Yeah, I don't know many kids who watched Atlantis and were like, y'all need to buy me a fifth of whiskey because um, Atlantis told me so. Yeah, was, I, I heard it was on the pyramid. It was right It was right next to, uh, to, to wheat. So. <laughs> they already lied to us with the food pyramid anyway, you know? Like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe the truth is the whiskey. Maybe that's really actually something we all need. Uh, <laughs> probably better than making us think that carbs were the most important food group what the fuck were y'all doing yeah i mean if i learned anything from holes it, it's apparently onions are the most important food group honestly a better message a better message yeah. <laughs> onions and peaches that's all you need to survive and that is a cute tie-in there too that that was um oh okay so that's the other thing the movie actually took it further in the books, like, it was just peaches. They they were like, oh, do you smell that? That smells pretty good. What did we use? Peaches. And in the movie, it's like, 
nah, it's onions and peaches together, which sounds like a gross combination, but it's kind of cute because, you know, onions are Sam and peaches are Catherine. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of a cute nod. I don't know. She's, she's his, his southern peach, you know? Wow. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, and, and he's her onion, onion, uh, onion's got layers. Sam's got a lot of layers, so uh, if I've if I've learned anything over my my childhood uh, movie watching, onions got layers, just like ogres. So do parfaits. Oh God, parfait. Mmm, mmm. Ever have a? <laughs> oh God, parfaits are so good. Parfaits got layers. <laughs> Personally, oh. I like a nice parfait. All right, we're getting off topic here, but and you know, okay, the ending of the movie too. It was a bit. It was very fairy tale because, again, book leaves things pretty open-ended. They're like, yeah, they found some money with the treasure. Also, oh, yeah, in the movie, the warden and Mr. Sir and Mom, they all get arrested. And yes. And then you have this really cinematic rainfall, whereas in the book, it's just like, as they drove away, the first raindrop fell on Camp Green Lake for the first time in 100 years or something like that. Um but instead, they're all getting arrested, and then, boom, Zero finds his mom, which was really cute, and then, boom, they're all in this big fucking mansion with a swimming pool, and all the boys are there hanging out, and they're all like, oh, we're on TV. Like, it was just, like, it was nice. Is it satisfying? Sure. But, like, it was just too over the top, like, then everything was good. We got money. It reminded me a lot of how in, like, the Matilda scene, when they all finally get their, uh... Their comeuppance on Miss Habert? No, what's her name? Who was the 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 late the principal lady? Trenchbull. Trenchbull, thank you. Yeah, sort of like how like they just sort of had their cinematic moment of all the kids finally getting their way, their revenge on her, and it's sort of like just so much extra stuff that's not necessary. And like one of the extra things too was that Mister Sir was on parole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's it's the only time in the entire film that I didn't like how Voight played the character because like it just like the way he was like tr- dodging like the, the 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 police officer by like basically he was like standing next to the fucking police officer but holding his coat up and it was like so silly and ridiculous. And I'm like, if he actually was a parole person was as mean as he was this entire film, he wouldn't be sticking around during the sequence. Yeah, he'd he would probably have, have like, run away or been hiding. Like, and that's yeah. the thing. It's one of those like really condescending movie things where they showed him hiding his face like 10, 15 times in case you're stupid and missed it. They were like, we're really going to hammer in the fact that he's uh, hiding right now. And it's like, no, we yeah. got it. Thank you. I don't need 10 examples. I hate, I hate the way that's done in the film. And... That's just part of like the sort of like I think I I just find it silly like that's like maybe what I was trying to say with like the why I find the style of the film is just silly it just is so unrealistic I mean the story itself is a bit unrealistic in general because like a sending a kid to dig holes for over a year for taking a pair of shoes and it's his first time and he's like I don't know what 14 maybe at most that wouldn't happen 
Um, yeah. They would just give him like fucking community service. They wouldn't even send him to like juvenile uh, jail. It's it's a bit it's a bit silly concept, but it's just like it goes a bit too silly at that point. Like, it doesn't feel realistic even within this established world, this slightly off kiltered reality of our own. Yeah. That's very true. Um, you oh, know, big, big, ahead. big, big change, <laughs> yes. big change. And now I can't believe like I didn't even like I thought about it before, but like I'm like and I didn't write it down because I was like, it's so blatantly fucking obvious. Um, completely changing Stanley's character from like an overweight oh kid my God. to being yes. a completely normal skinny kid, <laughs> um, which I'm like, it, it's a it's kind of a character builder thing because like he's sort of just like this pudgy kid that got picked on. Um, he would get bullied by kids smaller than him and, uh, it sort of like plays into why the kids call him caveman because of how big he is. And it makes no sense to make him a skinny kid. And maybe it's just cause, Hey, Disney, we want this, this kid who we already have playing in our Disney channel show on even Stevens and it's a recognizable face. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, I feel like probably during that period, they wouldn't want a chunkier kid being the main, your, your main face of the movie. And it's just the whole Hollywood, um, you know, beautification, even of like small children roles. It, it makes no fucking sense. And I, I, I hate that change so much. Not that like, not that Sarah LaBeouf did a bad job at that age, but like it just it makes no sense to really change the character when it's a big thing. Like you know he he loses weight when, while while doing the uh, digging the holes and he's gaining muscle and it really pl- plays on he's gain he's gaining this muscle so he's able to climb up at the mountain towards the end and things like that. So yeah, okay, so that was a big deal. Like because we've talked about adaptational attractiveness before and honestly with Hermione I don't think it made a huge difference other than in terms of how other people viewed Hermione but like she was a badass either way but like yeah with his character the whole point is like there's that really kind of fun bit where like he first gets to camp and he's like dude digging holes is really hard and then he like jumps on the shovel and he's like oh being overweight paid off like I can just kind of use my body to sink the shovel into the ground and then it also ties into, all right, so going back to his great-great-grandfather, Elia Yelnats, who's supposed to be getting stronger carrying the pig up the mountain, and because mm-hmm. he was digging these holes, oh, oh, and getting stronger while at camp, he is then strong enough to carry Hector up the mountain to the water and break the curse on the family because Hector's Madame Zeroni's descendant. So it's like a nice mm-hmm. fucking tie around. But you're kind of skipping that whole sort of symbolism there, I guess. Yeah, and it's a real shame because it's, it, it's so well planned out by by Sacker mm-hmm. throughout the entire story. Like, it's from literally the get-go of the story. It's like, it's basically, you're told that Stanley's sort of this overweight kid and he sort of, um, he basically, like, you know, is able to, he gains more confidence as he as he builds muscle and he's, and, and through this entire situation. And also, I think he also gains confidence by teaching Zero um, how to read. I think that is part of like his confidence builder. And it's nice watching or reading that, but you don't get to, you don't see that as much the uh, with the movie version. Very true. 
There was a scene I watched where I said I thought it inspired someone in a different movie. I felt a bit like, all right, so you know, we've got that classic scene where one of the boys steals the sunflower seeds from Mr. Sir, and they all land in Stanley's hole, and then Mr. Sir takes him to the warden. He's like, oh, you're busted. And the warden's like, you're wasting my fucking time. And she puts on that nail polish that has the rattlesnake venom and fucking scratches his face. And then he's like, in agony. I felt like that scene, probably a stretch. It seemed very similar to the black mamba in Kill Bill biting that guy's mm. face. Um, Bill's brother, Buck. His gotcha. name is Buck, and he likes to fuck. No, uh, that's not Buck. <laughs> that's a different character. I just wanted to say that line. Um, but yeah, his no, brother right. his brother getting bitten in the face by the black mamba. It's a bit much. I, I just felt like there it's was a bit similarity. Of a stretch. <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch, especially since both... both uh, well, I mean, both these... I guess Kill Bill Part 2 came out in 2004, but the holes came out in 2004. Four, and the first Kill Bill came out in 2003, but I'm pretty sure they filmed them at the same time. So maybe I think it's just a, we just liked just, Venom to the face as a society for a stretch yeah. of time. <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. I'm not. A, I'm not a biologist. I'm not. A, I'm not some animal scientist at all. But I'm pretty sure Venom doesn't work unless it's injected into the bloodstream, <laughs> and it wouldn't actually cause scarring. Um, on a face because it has to like go into the bloodstream in order to really like well the whole point is issues. she scratches him with her nails though was it a sc- i thought it was like hitting her with the back hitting him with the back of her hand and the venom like no no she like slap uh, scratched him oh uh, okay yeah i guess that's fair that's why we women have nails so you can wear venom uh nail polish so we can scratch a bitch up when we need to <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh. but yeah honestly i think the movie was very very similar to the book in most respects like they they took so much dialogue straight out of the book again like the author did write the screenplay so it makes sense but i was actually surprised how much of it was similar and i'd forgotten how beautiful sigourney weaver oh my god i can't say her name sigourney sigourney weaver <laughs> i wanted to go way too fast saying that but I love her delivery of the line where she goes, excuse me. Like, it was perfect. It was exactly how I imagined it in the book. Like, soft, yeah. but powerful. I mean, that's Sigourney Weaver for you. Soft and powerful woman. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I fucking love Sigourney Weaver. I wish she I, she was in more stuff. I haven't, like... I can't remember the last time I saw her in a film. But yeah. uh, I always loved her because of, like, aliens and whatnot. Or alien. Uh, and then aliens, but... True. Uh, and also, she was in fucking Ghostbusters. Dude, fucking she's in everything. That. She's kind of one of the OG female action stars, and I love mm-hmm. her so much for that. Oh, okay, yeah. so I have another thing. It's not really holes, I mean, slightly holes related, um, but if you want to have something else to say specifically about the content, you go first, because, yeah. Well, no, you go ahead. Okay, so you know what's crazy? We didn't plan this, mm-hmm. but... Today is June 13th, which is not the day we're going to have it out to you guys, but that's when we're recording, so that's what matters, because we're here now. And <laughs> yesterday the was the anniversary, anniversary, oh my god, I can't say anything today. It's the, it was the anniversary and of, voice of we. shut the fuck up, okay, of Loving v. Virginia. Do you know this case? No. All right. No, I don't know so, this. So, in 1958, there was Mildred Loving, 
who was a woman of color, who married Richard Loving, who was white, and they were sentenced to a year in prison for marrying each other. And then the Supreme Court had to hear the case because it made it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And then on June 12, 1967, uh, they overturned the conviction and they ended all race-based legal restrictions on marriage in the U.S. So that was, yeah, the anniversary was, anniversary was yesterday, which is really kind of apropos. And yeah. Yeah, interesting. What was the name of the case again? Loving v. Virginia. Loving v. Loving That's why versus Virginia, Virginia. Is That's for great... lovers. I know. Like, I mean, just the title of that case, because like you know, these two people who absolutely love each other versus mm-hmm. the state. Of, like, it's just like. That's something you, like, sometimes life is a bit stranger than fiction, where, like, that's something you would probably hear in, like, a book, and you're like, oh, that's cute. That's a cute thing. And, like, no, that's fucking real life. Um, that's, a, that's a great story. I need to, I'll read up more on that. Yeah, you should. So, yeah, yesterday was Loving Day. Damn. Doo-doo. Damn. <laughs> I had no one to love yesterday. Oh, well. Uh, well, lo- but... love yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, I guess so. I do. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that was my Disney coded message to you. Just love yourself. You don't need a man. Just love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's any like other things. There's, there's some. Oh, when we were talking about, you know, Stanley having the strength and stuff and digging and, and all that. Fucking when they get to the to God's thumb at the top of the mount, in the book, he had to dig to get the water. Yes. And in yes. the movie, it's like, oh, nope, there's a fucking stream and it's raining. And I'm just going to lay my sweaty body in our drinking water. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, you're trying to... That actually is a good way to hydrate yourself. You're, you do absorb water through the skin. I so. know. Look, as a hydrated person with AC watching it, I was just kind of like, gross. But... <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, you've been in you've been in the desert for three days. You're basically passing out. I I, I would probably do the same thing. God, pre-COVID days, man, they were different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's like there th- this big moment of Stanley saving Zero's life, mm-hmm. and like he had to work to get it done um, beyond just carrying him. He had to carry him, and then he had to dig this hole in order to get water and sort of plays into the whole the whole story of holes of holes can save lives um internal life around it's not really i guess the true uh theme of the story but no it sounds like projecting in this it did build character it sounds like camp green lake was fucking right yeah i mean maybe this is something we need to actually do uh stop I mean, we got we got juvenile jails and whatnot, but you know maybe we need we need these like camps in the middle of a desert where kids are almost like uh, being maybe dehydrated. Maybe we need to abuse to children again. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back a child abuse. Child yeah. labor, yeah, um, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, yeah, for real, for real. It's like we need to get we need to we all these stupid child labor laws. What has that really done for this country? Absolutely nothing. You know, fuck, like. Kids used to learn a lot working in factories and and working the working the land at a young age. You know, they don't possibly need like losing anymore. a hand. No, yeah, everything's like, text to speech now. What do you need fingers for? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, 
oh, you lose you lose some fingers. Well, you, you can still type with your left hand if you lose it on your right. It's no big deal. You're 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 still fully capable. Ugh, oh, this this country. What are we coming to? <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, I don't really have much else on this, but I mean, I do fucking love the story of holes. It's a good wholesome. Uh, wholesome, yeah. Huh? It's gonna. Let's Trying keep to sneak puns. that by me. <laughs> let's keep let's keep digging these puns out. You know, you know. Um. <laughs> um. No, it's a it's a great story, uh, especially a kids' story. Um, I think it's one that. Um, hopefully kids are still reading. I mean, you know, there's always new children's books coming out, but it definitely uh, affected me growing up, and it's just, like, a good story that has some dark elements to it, but it's not, like, overly dark, and... Yeah. Um, you sort of, like... It's a definitely a really good coming-of-age story. I agree. And uh, next week... What are we doing next week? We're calling people by their name. Ooh. And not the Ooh. song. There's the novel. Which I'm sure a lot of you know about. It's uh, it's great. Please read along, cause if you haven't, if you haven't, it will break your heart and make you horny at the same time. And that's what all the great writers do. <laughs> that's yeah. what we're here for. If it doesn't affect you, your soul is as dry as the bed of Camp Green Lake. So damn, that's fucking right. I'm going there. That was good. Ah. Uh. It's yeah. more more forbidden love. I mean, you know, forbidden in terms of it it was set decades ago and it's a gay cup. I mean, it's it's a gay love story, but you know, that's yeah. Yeah. Cool. I haven't read or watched the film, so this is going to be a first. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing some Timothy Chalamet and some some Army Hammer. And, Who also uh, does the audio on the audiobook. So last time I read it in print, but I know, okay, Arm, Army's an interesting person to talk about right now. We don't got to go into all that. But his voice is objectively quite nice. That's a sexy voice. Mm -hmm. So don't think about him wanting to eat you. Just listen. <laughs> Allegedly. We don't really know. We, we don't. We don't. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole situation going on there. Yeah. Cool. I'll call, call me by your name. Awesome. We'll be doing that next week. So as always, read along, watch along, um, or just listen along if, you know, well, we can soothe your soul with our sultry voices on this podcast. Yeah, speak for yourself, sultry voices. Shut the fuck up. All right. But also, um, before I forget, thank you, uh, still Slovakia, for loving us. I don't know why. But also Egypt, also Norway. What? I'm glad we're doing something for y'all because y'all keep listening to us and I'm grateful. Also, I always forget to mention any of this, but if you have suggestions, recommendations, write to us at illiterati.confirmed at gmail.com. We're also illiterati.confirmed on Instagram where I've been slacking on posting stuff. I'll get that shit back up to speed, I promise. Um, and oh, yeah. you're good. Yeah, I think I have one video on our TikTok of the same name of drawing our sketch for the bell jar. If you want to see a time lapse of that, I don't mm -hmm. fucking know. But if that's interesting at all to you, go check it out. Um, yeah, leave us some nice reviews or leave us leave us five stars and make the speech mean. We just need those five stars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my God. Sorry. Another thing, because I forgot mm -hmm. to mention this last week and I was very mad at myself. So, you know the infamous Patrick Bateman makeup, uh, skincare routine? Yeah. All right. So, a lot of fashion magazines will do, like, 
makeup routine with this celebrity, but there was a really great one they did with our girl, why am I blanking right now? Our girl in the tub explaining things in, in... Oh, um, Margot Robbie. Okay, Margot Robbie does that scene, the whole Patrick Bateman skincare routine. I think it's like a Vogue video, but it's fucking hilarious and she nails it. So if you want to see that, you should definitely check that out. Um, but yeah. Cool. I'm, I, I will definitely check that out. Um, yeah, because, you know, I really care about my skincare. That's the only reason why I'm going to watch it um yeah totally not, not, for the skincare not, not, not because it has margot robbie in it at all no um, <laughs> stupid um <laughs> cool um yeah i guess that's it from us and we'll see y'all next week yeah um yeah so uh farewell so long and we'll see you again our friends for always and eternity <laughs> all right this is the weirdest ending we've come up with yet all right Bye. goodbye <laughs> after you give the pig to menke you must carry madame zaroni up the mountain and sing while i drink so i can get strong too <laughs> but if you forget to come back for madame zaroni you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>